0: Let's turn to Ezekiel chapter 3 in your Bibles. Ezekiel chapter 3. Of course, we love Brother and Mrs. Wilkerson. If you're visiting here today, I'm sorry you don't get to hear the preacher. I would rather listen to him too. And so I'm sorry you're stuck with me, but I encourage you to come back next week and you can hear Brother Wilkerson. And this is a wonderful church. It'll help you and your family in in just amazing ways. Let God change your life as you decide to follow Him. If you're able, if you just stand with me, we're going to read the Word of God. I like to stand when we read the Word of God to remind us that the Bible is a supernatural book. This book is different than any other book on the planet. This is God's book. And so I like to stand just to remind us of that. I'm going to read some verses. If you'd follow along, Ezekiel chapter 3 verses 1 through 11. Ezekiel chapter 3 verses 1 through 11. The Word of God says, moreover, He said unto me, Son of man, eat that thou findest, eat this roll, and go speak unto the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said unto me, Son of man, cause thy belly to eat, and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give thee. Then did I eat, and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. And he said unto me, Son of man, go get thee unto the house of Israel, and speak with my words unto them. For thou art not sent unto a people of a strange speech or of a hard language, but to the house of Israel, not to many people of a strange speech and of a hard language whose words thou canst not understand. Surely had I sent thee to them, they would have hearkened unto thee. But the house of Israel will not hearken unto thee, for they will not hearken unto me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, I have made thy face strong against their faces, and thy forehead strong against their foreheads. As an adamant harder than flint have I made thy forehead, fear them not, neither be dismayed at their looks, though they be a rebellious house. Our text verses, verses 10 and 11, moreover he said unto me, son of man, all my words that I shall speak unto thee, receive in thine heart, and hear with thine ears, and go get thee to them of the captivity unto the children of thy people, and speak unto them, and tell them thus saith the Lord God, whether they will hear or whether they will forbear let's pray, our Father, we come to you in this moment, this is your house, these are your people, we sang your songs we Read your book, we look to you for everything. And Lord, nothing's going to be accomplished today if you don't do it. I pray that you'd give us ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to this church. That you'd give me the words to say for this moment. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you'd release the Holy Spirit to work in each and every heart and life. Break down any walls, get past any misconceptions, preconceptions, and help every person in the room to receive something of consequence, something with eternal benefit, and we pray that long after we dismiss this meeting, that the Holy Spirit of God would remind us of these truths for the rest of our lives. Lord, bless Brother Wilkerson out in California, Brother Fisher, please work in that situation as well. We ask you to change us in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The Holy Bible is our manual for life. I know this is a church that believes that. And when the preacher asked me to preach, I said, is there anything specific that you'd like me to to talk about? And he said, no. He said, I want you to preach on whatever the Lord wants you to talk about. But we are having a theme this month, and the theme is committed to God's word. Committed to God's word. And I love that. I think as God's people, we need to be committed to God's word. The Bible is our manual for life. It's written by God Almighty. It can improve your life on earth. It can settle your eternal destiny. But it can only help you if you let it. Think about that. It can only help you if you let it. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. My mom did the best she could, and I'm thankful for all the... The sacrifices, and boy, God's used her. And I don't think I'd be serving the Lord if she hadn't just surrendered her heart to the Lord when I was a teenager. And I'm so grateful for that. We didn't grow up in a Christian home like many of you, but we were taught respect for the Bible. Boy, they, my, my, my mom taught us respect for the Bible. And when I was a boy, my grandma gave me a little hardback children's Bible. I can still see it today. It had a seaside picture on the front, full collar, Jesus sitting by the seaside with children all around him teaching the Bible, and in the top of it was the blue sky, and in the bottom of the little hardcover was Jesus teaching the children, and right in that blue sky in gold letters, Holy Bible, and it came in a little box that had the same picture on it as the the picture on the front of the hardback Bible, and it was only about this big, and. I used to put that right in my nightstand, that little Bible I had right in the nightstand by my bed. And sometimes I would take it out and I would open that little box and I would take out that Bible and this was the Word of God. I knew it was the Word of God, but I had no idea what to do with it. And sometimes I'd say, I'm going to read some Bible and I would open up to Leviticus. And there was a whole lot of killing going on. (laughs) I'm like, well, I don't know what to do with that. And then I'd put it back away. Another time, I'd say, I'm going to read the Bible. I'd flop the Bible open, and it would open to Job. And I'd read a little bit of that, and I'm like, I have no idea what to do with that. I'd put it away. Every once in a while, I'd pull it out, and it would open to, like, John chapter 3, and I could understand that. I'd put it back away. And the truth is, I had no idea what to do with my Bible. I wonder how many people have a Bible today, but they have no idea what to do with their Bible. I mean, you're carrying it with you today, and some of you are students of the Word of God, but I would guess that there are many of us here today that you carry your Bible and you pick it up and take it to church almost like you do an accessory, almost like a purse or a billfold. You just grab it and carry it with you. And you take it home and you put it on your nightstand or the coffee table or the bookshelf and you really don't know what to do with it. Well, the Bible can only help you if you let it. The Bible can only help you if you know what to do with it. Years later, after I was saved, I learned what to do with my Bible. And now God has used his word to lead and guide me for almost 30 years. My life's been blessed immeasurably. Because somebody taught me what to do with the word of God. And I encourage you today, I want to preach a simple message, what to do with God's word. What to do with God's word. We go to our text and Ezekiel was a prophet of the Lord during the Babylonian captivity. As the prophet Jeremiah preached to the poor remnant, Left in Judah after the invasion of King Nebuchadnezzar, the prophet Ezekiel represented God to the Jews taken captive in Babylon. Even though Israel was being chastised for generations of disobedience, the Lord did not forsake them in captivity. When he was 30 years old, God came to Ezekiel with visions and messages for his people. Ezekiel would be the mouthpiece of the Lord for the Jews. Oh, but wait a minute. These were Jews in captivity. These were Jews that were happy and content in their sinful lifestyles. Many of them had no resemblance of the life that God had taught them to lead in the promised land. And God warned Ezekiel, they will not receive your messages. But I want you to preach them first because I'm going to give you my words and then you're going to tell them what I said Boy, isn't that what a preacher is supposed to do? And I'm glad this church has a preacher that just takes God's word and then tells us what God said. Ezekiel would be the mouthpiece of the Lord for the Jews. However, before Ezekiel could be a mighty prophet, the Lord had to teach Ezekiel what to do with his words. And in this chapter, we read a little bit of context of God said, I'm going to give you my words and I want you to do certain things with them. And in verses 10 and 11, we see three things that God told Ezekiel to do with the words that he was giving them. First, he said, receive in thine heart, verse 10. Next, he said, and hear with thine ears. Verse 11, then he said, and speak unto them and tell them. So three things in this verse, receive, hear, and speak, that Ezekiel was supposed to do with God's word. And I got thinking one day, I wonder what else the Bible tells us to do with God's Word. So I want to give you a simple list in the time that we have today. I'm going to show you what to do with God's Word. Never again do you have to look at that book and say, I don't know what to do with that. Never again do you have to look at that book sitting on the counter or the table or the nightstand and say, I just don't know what to do with it. I believe it's the Word of God, but I don't know what to do with it because today we're going to show you from the Bible what to do with God's Word. And let's dive in. Number one, Receive God's Word. Receive God's Word. It's interesting that the first thing Ezekiel was commanded to do with God's Word was to receive it. Now, I'll be honest with you, if I was making the list, I probably would have started with a command to read God's Word. Perhaps I would have started with a command to hear God's Word. But no, God in His infinite wisdom started with, Receive my Word. Why? Why? Because before you know what the Word of God says, you have to be willing to receive it as the Word of God. The church in Thessalonica, they, they became in just a short time model Christians. And the Bible says because they, when they heard the Word of God, they received it as it was in truth, the Word of God. And before we learn what this book says, we have to come to grips with the fact that this is The very word of God. And we have to say, I want to take this book. I want to receive this book. Whatever God tells me, I am willing to receive it. Verses 1 through 3, Ezekiel was commanded to eat the roll. That's an interesting thought. So back then they didn't have bound books. They would have the Bible on rolls. And God said, "I'm going to give you this roll filled with my words, and I want you to eat it." Why would he eat it? Because he needed to receive it. He needed to accept it. You know, when we eat food, we accept it into our bodies. You see the food, you consider it to be good, and you receive it, and and. Ezekiel was told to receive the word of God. Jeremiah was given a similar commandment. Jeremiah 15, 16. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. The word of God is likened to food. The New Testament talks about the word of God as milk and as meat. And we are to receive the word of God just as we would receive a meal. Food on the table won't nourish your body. You have to put it in your mouth. Last night I went with my family and and my brother's family, we went to Golden Corral. Can I get an amen? I've always been a large man. I think I weighed 175 pounds in like the sixth grade. It was all muscle, every bit of it. And I like to camouflage my fine physique under a deceptive layer of fat. And uh, I've always been a large man. And so we went into the the, the, the Golden Corral and I was excited about it. And I don't mean to be offensive, but I was a little bit shocked at the high percentage of people much larger than me in the Golden Corral. And the truth is I started to feel pretty good about myself. I'm like, man, you know, I go to the gym, I look like a fast slob. I go to Cracker bro. I look like a supermodel. I started posing for people. I went up there to get my food, and I'm walking down that line like I'm working the runway. I stopped in front of the mashed potatoes. I was feeling pretty good about myself. There's some large people there. And I just say that to say, how, how are they larger? Because I've had that problem as well. Amen? The more you take in, the more you grow. Well, it's the same way spiritually. The more of God's Word you're willing to receive, the stronger you get spiritually, the more you grow spiritually. And so we have to be willing to receive God's Word. You see this idea of reception all the way through the Bible. For example, you must receive Christ as your Savior in order to go to heaven. John 1, 12 and 13, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. My preacher used to say, old, old Pastor Ross, he used to say, a lot of you are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. And that's the difference between your head and your heart. You don't get to heaven by believing the facts about Jesus Christ. The devils believe and tremble. The devils know who Jesus is. They saw him in all of his glory, but they did not receive him. They rejected him. And let me caution everybody here who calls yourself a Christian. You won't go to heaven because you believe the facts about Jesus Christ. You'll go to heaven because you receive him as your personal savior. Has there been a time in your life where you've received him as your personal Savior. As a 16-year-old boy after a youth rally on a Saturday night, I remember it just like it was yesterday. I knew all the facts about Jesus for years. But that night, I confessed that I was a sinner. I confessed in my faith and belief that Jesus Christ was the Son of God who died on the cross, was buried, and rose again. But that night, I received Him into my heart. If there's someone here today that's not sure you're going to heaven, you don't go to heaven by stepping in a church or being a good person or getting dipped in the baptistry. You go to heaven when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You must receive Christ as your Savior in order to go to heaven. You must receive God's Word to bring forth fruit. Mark 4.20 says, And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the Word and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold and some sixty." and some a hundred. See, we must lay aside our sinful dispositions. We must cast away our selfish desires and foolish thoughts and, and our self-will, and we must receive the Word of God with meekness. James 1.21, Wherefore, lay apart our filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted Word, which is able to save your souls. The first duty to God's Word is to receive it with humility, and with faith. The second duty to God's word is to hear God's word. Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you turn there with me quickly. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We see what our Lord Jesus called the great commandment. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. So we call verse 5 the great commandment, to love God and then to love your neighbor. But when Jesus recited this, he included the hear, O Israel, part. It's interesting, the, the, the first commandment, the great commandment, begins with the word hear. So after we're willing to receive God's word, now we have to hear God's word. See, all those years as a child, I believed that God's Word was there in my nightstand, but I didn't receive it. I, I received it, but I didn't hear it. I didn't, I didn't have any place to, to hear it. I didn't go to church. I didn't read the Bible. I didn't give myself an opportunity to hear it. And the word hear in this verse literally means to hear intelligently, to listen with discernment, to listen with the intention to obey. The instruction to hear is often found in scripture. We don't have time to develop that today. Number one, we must receive God's word. Number two, we must hear God's word. Look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. And look at verse 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. What do we do with God's word? The third thing is we desire God's word. Years ago when my wife was sick and she's up a lot through the night, she's often just can't sleep until her exhaustion overrides her pain and then she'll sleep so she doesn't have a normal sleep schedule. It's exhausting for us, so she's up a lot at night whenever the rest of us are sleeping. And one day she came to me and said, Paul, I'm wondering if we could get me some company in the bedroom while you're sleeping. And I said, I said, what do you think? And she said, Well, I wonder if I could have a fish. I'm like, a fish. It's not a very good companion. I, th- I said, I think we could do better than a fish. So we did some research, and I got her a little Shih Tzu puppy that's her companion, and a cute little dog, a little Shih Tzu, and then, well, you can't just have one, so we ended up getting another Shih Tzu, now a female, and they were both AKC registered, so I thought, you know, rather than paying for their dog food, they're going to start paying me rent. And so we began breeding AKC Shih Tzu puppies years ago. And it's a lot of fun for our family and our kids. We got a, last Tuesday, we delivered a little a litter of five Shih Tzu puppies. They just fit in the palm of your hand. And you know, what's interesting is they're born blind. Most people don't know that, or know that, but most people don't know that puppies are born deaf. They don't get their sense of hearing until they're about three weeks old. But let me tell you one thing those puppies do. As soon as they are born, they want that milk. They'll crawl all over each other. They'll knock each other out of the way. You can take one and put it on the opposite side, a little whelping pin, and they'll move their head and they'll waddle and wiggle and waggle until they get back over there. And every time I see that, the first several weeks of their life, all they do is eat and sleep. But every time I see that, I can't help but think, that's what I'm supposed to do to God's Word. I'm supposed to desire the sincere milk of the Word. Like an infant baby that cries when they get hungry. They need the milk! And boy, dear Christian friend, we should be hungering, desiring that milk. We should work for it and sacrifice for it and wiggle towards it and waddle and do whatever we have to do. Knock things out of the way to get to that milk. It's astounding to me how many professing believers have very little desire for the Word of God. Very little desire for the Word of God. Man, we turn on the music and we'll watch movies by the hour and you'll bend yourself Netflix till your eyes hurt. But where's the Word of God? There are two reasons for this sad fact why we don't desire God's Word. Number one, I'm afraid that some are not truly saved. Unbelievers have no desire for God's Word. Now, I don't know if you're saved, and you don't know if I'm saved. But the Bible command is to examine yourself. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, Examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates? Well, my friend, if you do a self-examination and Jesus isn't there, you better settle that today. And on the other hand, if you do a self-examination and Jesus is there, you have to ask yourself, why don't I desire the things of God? And then we find the second reason we don't desire God's Word. It's because we're already filled with the world. As a young growing boy, I'd often go in the kitchen. I'd say, Mom, I'm hungry. And I'd be rummaging through the cupboards and she'd say, Don't eat, you're going to spoil your supper. She's making dinner, working for an hour on dinner, and I'm looking for a ho-ho. You know, I'm eating chips ahoy, I'm stuffing my face with Chex Mix and whatever else I can find. You know, if you eat too much of that stuff, supper comes, and you're not hungry anymore. You know, God's people should be separated from the world. And if we're so filled with the world all the time, we won't hunger and thirst for the things of God. Believers are commanded to desire the word of God. Verse 1 there says, wherefore, laying aside all malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings, sometimes you don't desire the world because you're full of sin. And the Bible says you need to lay aside these things in verse 1, and then as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Perhaps you don't desire the word because you've got some sin you haven't dealt with. The fourth thing we should do is study God's word. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. We study the word when we read the scriptures, we search the scriptures, we apply the scriptures. Number five, we memorize God's word. When's the last time you memorized a Bible verse? When's the last time you wrote a verse down on a card and kept it with you all day or put it by the speedometer in your car or put it, just, just put it around different places and memorize the word. Psalm thirty-seven thirty-one. the law of God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. One man said you should have one Bible in your hand and another Bible in your heart. Carry it with you all the time. You say, well, preacher, you don't understand. I don't have a good memory and I, don't, I'm not, I wasn't good in school. Well, that, that's all right because God gave you a helper." John 14, 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. See, The Holy Spirit will help you memorize scripture. Number six, and this is an obvious one, we need to obey God's word. John 1, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves, How many of you could use more blessing? Well, then that means we need to do more obeying. God will bless you in direct proportion to your obedience to his word. Let me say lastly, in our final moment, the seventh duty to God's word. What do we do with God's word? The seventh thing is we speak God's word. Our Lord gave Ezekiel his words so that the prophet could speak them to rebellious Israel. And he even told them they're not going to want to hear, but in Ezekiel 3.11, he said, Thus saith the Lord whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. Ezekiel, it's not important whether they want to hear it or don't want to hear it. It's important that you speak the words. I believe God's word has power. And I believe that God's word never comes away back void we can speak God's Word and teach God's Word and it will go out into the world and the Holy Spirit will use it as He sees fit. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but in His time. We need to speak the truth with neighbors, Ephesians 4.25, Ephesians 4.15. We need to speak the truth to children in education, Deuteronomy 6. We need to teach God's Word, Hebrews 5.11-14. through 14. We need to spread God's word to the world. Matthew chapter 28 verses 18 through 20. I hope you get involved in that gospel explosion. Oh, it makes me want to jump on a plane and just fly here so I can go with you. Boy, I hope, I hope everybody in this room says, you know what? I'm not going to make any excuses. I'm not, I'm not going to use my, my, my job as an excuse, take tracks to work. I'm not going to use my schedule as an excuse, take tracks with you. I'm not going to use anything as an excuse. I will sometime, between 10 and 5, on October 2nd, I will pass out five tracks and I will tell 10 people about Jesus. When 5 o'clock October 2nd hits, a lot of you are going to be like, I'm so glad I did that. And there's going to be a handful of people that the Holy Ghost will convict you. Because you could have. You just didn't. We've got to speak God's word in these days of craziness. All the craziness about gender and education and all the, all the craziness. Craziness. One thing I've been trying to to teach Curtis Corner Baptist Church on a weekly basis is speak the truth in love. We're in this mess because God's people were silent. We'll only get out of this mess when God's people tell people God's Word. When I was a boy, I had a Bible, but I didn't know what to do with it. I'm glad now I know my obligations to His Word. We receive it. We hear it we desire it, we study it, we memorize it, we obey it, and then we speak it. And God will bless my life in direct proportion to my relationship with His Word. Let's make it a goal of our lives. I'm talking about you. Make it a goal of your life to perform your duties to God's Word.